You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're looking at two episodes of Logan's Run. We're looking at episode four, The Innocent, and episode five, Man Out of Time. We'll start with a synopsis of The Innocent. Despite a vehicle with superior off-road capabilities and an almost limitless 9.6 million square miles in which to run, Francis and his idiot squad have got Logan, Jessica, and Rem cornered and almost captured. Detecting a nearby energy source, Rem leads the runners into an energy minefield. With Rem's help, Logan clears a path through the mines, approaching the entrance to a bunker surrounded by an energy barrier. Once more, it's Rem to the rescue as he gets through the barrier and into the bunker. The energy mines reform. The barrier is reestablished, trapping Francis and the idiot squad outside. Inside the bunker, they meet a robot named Frand. Rem and Friend give each other a lot of robotic sass talk, as robots do. (laughs) Then a young woman, Lisa, intervenes. She is the sole living occupant of the bunker, and Logan and Jessica are the first living people she's seen in years. There is one other robot occupant of the bunker. That is Nanny. A robotic cleaner minder with obvious robotic breasts with plenty of buttons for pushing. Rem, attempting to study the power system, cannot understand where the power for the security system is coming from. Friend sees nothing anomalous. Things are as they've always been. This discrepancy bothers Rem and Logan. Outside, Francis calls in another of the idiot squad's cars, this one with a new L7 laser weapon. It will take them eight hours to get there. Francis waits. When you take one isolated, awkward teenage girl and introduce her to the star of the show, the television inevitable happens. She falls in love with Logan and wants him to stay with her. Logan makes it clear that he cannot. And this makes Lisa sad. So sad, in fact, that the barrier around the bunker drops. Jeremy, a Sandman, trying desperately to distinguish himself as lead idiot in the idiot squad, approaches the bunker and is sent to the cornfield. <laughs> Lisa's attentions towards Logan become increasingly obvious, as does the fact that Lisa has amazing psychic powers. When Francis's L7 laser weapon arrive, Lisa blasts it out of existence with her mind. Eventually, Lisa sends Jessica and Rem to the cornfield, reasoning that if they were gone, Logan would want to stay with her. It turns out, not so much. So, feeling scorned, Lisa lashes out with her mind, imprisoning Logan. She invites Francis in to turn over Logan. Before the final handoff, she allows Logan to speak, and he makes her see the ugly truth. So she sends the rest of the Sandmen to the cornfield and brings back Jessica and Rem. She will hold the Sandmen in the cornfield for a while, then release them, giving Logan and the gang a head start. She vows one day to leave the bunker and start a life of her own. The end. Well, that's about it, huh? Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that, that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. 
I think we, I think we got that. Yeah. Yep. Good um, episode. Talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. We. <laughs> that was bad. I thought. I don't know. What's your thought? Uh, Maybe you liked it. I mean, it, well, you know, as the meet, as the uh, uh, the episodes go, um, yeah. <laughs> compared to the other ones, it wasn't too bad. Oh, it could have been hey. a lot worse. Or no, are you talking about the three we've seen so far? Just the three we've seen so far. This one is a story by Ray Brenner and also teleplay by Ray Brenner and teleplay by DC Fontana. Mm-hmm. Ray Brenner has over 30 writing credits spanning over 30 years on television. Mostly comedies. Mostly comedy shows. Um, didn't notice any other science fiction off the top of my head and it kind of shows but something else kind of shows of course we know when you have dc fontana come in the story editor and she actually gets a teleplay credit you know it's a significant rewrite from the original idea Mm -hmm. does this story remind you i mean apart from every show with every teenager falling in love with a star ever but does it remind you of any other show that you can think of. Oh, possibly a Star Trek episode. Yeah, which one would that be? Um, boy, uh, it's, uh, it's a common name. Is it Charlie X? Charlie X. Do you know who wrote, wrote Charlie X? Uh, do you really want to make me uh, guess? Yeah, no, DC Fontana. <laughs> I believe it's her first writing assignment for Star Trek. Hmm. Story of a... Uh, Lovesick teenager with super psychic powers. Yep. And you know, I I never appreciated Charlie X when I was a kid. It's one of the episodes that I just kind of like, meh. You know, it's it's up there with Turnabout Intruder in my in my brain as a kid. Just wasn't one of the good or Cloudminders. Wasn't one of the good ones. And when I got older, it's still not one of my favorites, but it resonates so much truer as, as a study of the tribulations of going through adolescence mm-hmm. has failed to hit that mark at all in this episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like, wow, this is just so superficially awful when it comes to that. It, it is, it is cliche matic uh, Oh, eh. I love you. Why don't you stay with me? It's because of her, isn't it? Oh, yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think they they probably could have told a decent story if they're just trying to tell one story, not combining it with the whole Logan, Jessica, Rem running from the Sandman type thing. Uh, but, you know, then it wouldn't be Logan's run. And man, that the Sandman. <laughs> I mean, this is the worst yet. I mean, what? how many... The, I was half expecting a dozen of them to come pouring out of that teeny tiny car. Not only does it, you know, I'm I'm sure that this is going to come up every stinking time because this drives me nuts. Even given that Francis is a corrupt scumbag who's going to take Logan back so that he can save his life and live to be an old man. Mm -hmm. None of that excuses any of the other Sandmen. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And another thing that doesn't make any sense, and this is the best I've got, is um, why doesn't Francis have the L7 laser? I don't know. 
I don't know why the, the big fancy gun thing wasn't with him. And also on that subject, why do they have it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what use is it in the idyllic dome city where all you have to shoot at are runners? Are they, are, are these leftover weapons from the small war when they're fighting the Cubs, which of course isn't, may not actually be part of this, yeah. this universe, but um, I, I don't get it. He did say the new L7 laser weapon. Yeah. So maybe, yeah so. maybe they developed it for out-in-the-field operations. But mm-hmm. you know, that, that leads to the questions of who in the Dome City was working on this device. Right. Even more people to brain wipe. Yep. And then, again, you know, Francis is the one. He's got teams out there. Why wouldn't you either have all teams have the L7 laser or the guy in charge would be the one that would have the L7 laser with his, at least with somebody who was with him, like ground car two or whatever. That, mm-hmm. that was the same. And not one of the field units that's been sent out, you know, never to come back because they go native, but I, <laughs> it just, it doesn't make sense. And the other, and, and I'll give another one that doesn't make sense. And this is a storytelling thing. Right. Okay. Time is, you know, meaningless, right. In a TV show. Yeah. It can and, be. It can be. It can be completely meaningless. Yeah. So. Unless the plot. Oh, it's going to take eight hours for the gun to get here. Okay. We're going to wait eight hours. So we now know Logan and Jessica have, they don't know, but eight hours before things could go bad. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But again, eight hours, they could sleep during that time. It's night. We, you know, it, it could pass from scene to scene and we would never know how long eight hours elapses. So then they have that scene where the L7 actually arrives three hours early. Right. Why did they give us that piece of detail? No freaking clue. <laughs> it's like, well, well, why? <laughs> why did the writer think, oh, I mean, let's have the guys make good time there. That ups the jeopardy? Nope. Uh, that, um, nope. Why not? Yeah. Just whatever. I, I, you know, eight hours was boring. So let's make it five. I really don't understand that at all. It's just was like, I am, I is confused when yeah, I watch I that. Maybe they're attempting to show, um, salmon efficiency at its finest. I, I don't know. <laughs> salmon efficiency. And they'd all had L7 lasers, but yeah. Okay. And, you know, they'd mount them on the front of the ground cars mm-hmm. so they wouldn't have to get out, set them up. Yeah. And, and establish the, like, of course, basically it only takes a siege weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a, 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 a small cannon on a tripod they have to set up with a, you know, big box. And, and okay, maybe, maybe if they could get Logan trapped in a valley and they're up on a high vantage point and they know he's going to come through a certain pass and then they blast him. But that would kill him. And then... There you go. True. Mm-hmm. So that that wouldn't be that wouldn't accomplish what they were trying to do. I just cannot get with the the Sandman mentality and the watch and the fact that they caught him mm-hmm. again. They caught him. They caught up to him. Logan was Logan was dead meat if he hadn't gone off road. Yep. And who maintains these roads? I I was that's one of in one of my notes actual roads. I don't know. I mean, I, in a couple of the shots, it's pretty clear that the the crew 
set up in a field and got down low so the the weeds that are ever present in California, California, yeah, uh, will 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 cover up the obvious road that they are driving on. It's just a graded dirt road, right? But then Francis acts, oh, we're gonna have to we we'll have to go back onto the road. Well, I'm like, what road? Yeah, would you even know what the word road meant? You've never seen a road in your life. Yeah, like the Logan DC. knows what the word mine means. Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to know what mine means as in dig into the ground to bring out materials. And once again, why would he know what a, an explosive mine would be living in the Dome City? Is that, did they, are they taught history of any kind? Of, Maybe of the Sandmen are, but you'd think, I mean, I guess they've been taught some of the nastier things about the outside world so that they they value their existence inside yeah. the dome, maybe. But still, those are kind of, I don't know. In the movie, they didn't really understand what a road was. Right, exactly. Yeah. But here, yeah, and of course, the ground, the the solar car is supposed to be a hovercraft, mm-hmm. which, you know, are terrible at steering, but they're pretty they're darn good at going at over. Yeah. But they're really good at going over uh, that kind of ground, comparatively yeah, small, speaking small to the, rocks, yeah, yeah, or or just you know weed lumps or whatever they're going over. So mm-hmm. with you know nine point six million square miles of North America, and they aren't required to stick to roads. Why have they not left Francis light years behind? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he does say that the ground cars are faster. But still, right. Another one that that gets me, and I'm I'm trying to think back to other TV shows. But have you ever watched how writers struggle to describe someone's first love, how they feel? You know, I I don't understand. I feel all oh, whenever she's around or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they struggle with it. And good writers come up with ways that when you hear it, you kind of go, okay, I kind of get that because there's that sort of discomfort, discomfiture, uh, exhilaration thing. And I, you know, maybe, and then bad writers come up with really awful things. This might be the worst. Do you remember what she said happens when Logan's around? Uh, she feels all hot, something like that. No, her throat hurts, and her she throat. gets the chills. That's right. I I didn't understand that. I don't quite. So she feels choked up. She and... feels like she's got the flu. You've got the flu. Yeah. It's like, wow. I mean, how about butterflies in the stomach or or... I don't know. Flush. Yeah. Hot. Flushed. Uh, right. All sorts of things. But my throat hurts and I get the chills. Wow. Okay. And again, looking back, DC Fontana did a pretty darn good job of conveying Charlie X's, you know, it's partially the actor, but you know, that burning that you can't, none of that here. <laughs> Absolutely none <laughs> here. It's just, this is just, uh, you know, feel sick. When Logan's around, I don't know why I want him around. I feel sick when he's around, but no, I want to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. Very poor, right? Poor writing. I, I, I mean, just, 
And of course, the fact that she sends the Sandmen and everybody off to the, I call it the cornfield in honor of the Twilight Zone. But yeah. uh, reality, it's just sort of a, a dark mime filled room. Um, <laughs> limbo. <laughs> limbo. It's the, it's the mime green room. Yes. Waiting, waiting for your chance to come on. Yep. And then she lets them out again afterwards. And and I know, you know, Logan's a nice guy, right? He's our hero. Mm-hmm. But couldn't you couldn't he have said, I'll tell you what, why don't you keep him here for a month? A month. A year. Yeah. Or just you know, until you, you know, forget to bring them out. That'd be fine. You know, don't don't kill them. But as long as they don't need to eat and stuff in there, or you could pop them some food in or, or yeah, whatnot. But, who knows how that works. But give me a month. Let me get so far away from these guys that they will never find us. That'd right. Or, you know. But what maybe, you do? Give them a two-hour head start or something? Cause like, well, uh, get out it's there like three look. days or something like that. Yeah. It, I think it was three days. All right. The robots. <laughs> so I hang yes. my head. Well, one of them was obviously a guy in a suit. Okay, we'll Which one that. was that? <laughs> Not the tall one. Oh, yes. A friend, yes. Friend. That yeah. was one of the worst robot suits. Oh, man. I think you know, I've ever seen. I can kind of see what they're trying to do there with the whole exposed wiring and stuff, kind of like C-3PO, but yeah. In a pre-C-3PO world, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it? 77, I think. Wait, hold on. I get Maybe not. October 10th, 77. So Seven. Star Wars had come out in May. Maybe this was, this was their C-3PO. Oh, my yep, God. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> oh. Yep. Going to have exposed abdominal wiring. Yeah. It looked like the, the the actor who wore that must have been uncomfortable as heck having that. Looked like a, a, a tray that you would have. Uh, you'd purchase pieces of meat on. Uh, at the grocery store, stuck to his face and covered with a black cloth and some holes to, uh, poked in it so you could see out of it. Uh, maybe it was to hide a beardy war. I don't know, but that was a that was an odd looking, kind of scary looking face. That's a terrible robot. That's just oh yeah, awful. Oh yeah, that's just an awful robot. I and Patrick then and I'm in Gene Tyburn. Yeah. He shows up in another episode as CompTech Four. I'm looking out for him. See if he's got a beard. Yeah, exactly. Is it the next episode? Maybe. Um, and then the other robot. Uh-huh. Klaatu. Or Nanny. Or Nanny. As it's, as it's called now. S- yeah. Sort of a real robot? Oh, wow. That's a stretch of the word real. <laughs> not uh, a person in a suit. No, not a person in a suit. Uh, fiberglass chassis made at a Corvette shop, shop apparently. Apparently the uh, the guts were actually fairly high quality aircraft aluminum and whatnot, but essentially it was a, a big RC car that uh, was controlled K-9 by a guy on behind Who. exactly controlled by a guy behind a curtain. And apparently when it came out, it was uh, uh, said to have artificial intelligence, it had voice response, all that kind of stuff. And all that was was uh, a guy with a microphone. Uh, talking through a speaker and it's inside of it. That's all it was. It was a kind of a hoax that showed up in other TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. Lots. Apparently it, it made its rounds. 
But uh, I don't know if the others had that impressive rack on the front like this. No, one. Uh, that's the only time I've seen it with that uh, front adornment with the <laughs> mono boob. I, I called that out specifically because I knew that that thing didn't have it. So the set designers had a robot or a quote unquote robot looking thing that they wanted to use yep. that, you know, was like a high tech robot thing somebody designed. And somebody in the art department looked at that and said, needs boobs. Yeah. It's, it's a, a nanny. It's, exactly. It's got a, we're going to put it in a, uh, uh, a silver lamace apron. And we're going to have an actress give it a sassy voice. And yeah, put that, give it a rack with buttons yeah, on it. Big rack with go. lots of buttons to push. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Jeez, great. You know, think, uh, think Jetsons. Yes, kind of. Although yeah. uh, Rosie was not stacked like that, I don't think. Was she? N- no. I think Rosie is more in the back. Yeah. In the butt. I think Rosie no, had the has robotic a trunk. butt. Yeah. Trunk. Yep. But same totally ineffective flipper fingers. Uh, yep. Just flapping hands, pinchers. And I uh, picked up the eyes in this one. They've just cut some holes in that plastic globe for the head. But yeah, it's uh It was it, a thing. It was kind of an icon of the 70s. You've, you've undoubtedly, the listeners have heard, have seen this thing. You don't have a list of things that's been on, do you, off the top of your head? No, I don't, unfortunately. I haven't been able to find that. I've just been able to find lots of pictures of, of various uh, promotional garb had been put in. I don't know that I have anything else. I mean, oh, yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. I hate REM. So, oh, but You keep saying that. I do keep saying that. And, and I, uh, in addition to I hate REM because, oh... I can get you out of here. I found an energy source. Oh, it's a minefield. Oh, I will just uh, tell you where the mines are and you blow them up. Oh, it's an energy barrier. Don't worry. I can take care of that. Oh, it's a locked bunker. Sure, I can get you in. It's like, why does Rem need these people? (laughs) Comic relief? Why cannot Rem just make another android for himself and go off and do androidy thing? Because he has emotions. Otherwise, he and friend wouldn't be in their sass bot mode going back and forth. Horrible, but oh well. Yeah, I um, I think he regards the humans as his pets, as he said uh, in that other episode. The collectors, yeah. I think that's it. But then, you know, this this horrible back and forth with friend and and it's it's literally robot bigotry. <laughs> oh yeah. Rem it's is horrible. racism. Rem is horrible. <laughs> like, yep. They're machines. Why, why does that bother you that they talk back? Are you insecure? <laughs> it's like, I just, I think he's a terrible, terrible character. And I think we're supposed to like him, right? He's not evil. He's, he's helpful. He's uh, the smart one. And yet somehow he is worse than a sonic screwdriver. He's a sonic screwdriver that talks back. I was going to say that walks and talks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he can't figure out a way to stop Francis. Well, maybe he's never been asked directly. I don't know. It sounds like he, <laughs> he can definitely kind of come up with a way of doing it because, you know, he seemed to have uh, little or no uh, issues with accidentally shooting the other Sandman. Yeah, well, it's a stun gun. That's episode. Fine. 
Yeah, but still. Logan, have you ever wondered why it is that Francis is constantly able to track you? Oh, that's because we all have this thingy that uh, that the tracker device on him can track you. Let me see that. Perhaps I can build <laughs> a jamming device. Beep. Oh, or remove it or step on it. He's, you know, the, the little thing, the tracker on my belt? He's tracking that. Yep. Is he now, Logan? <laughs> is he? Mm-hmm. Don't huh. care the flashlight. Mm, yes, that's your flashlight. You know, we've been to places that probably had other flashlights. Mm-hmm. We, or you we can make probably, I could probably make a flashlight. Or I could probably take that thing apart and remove the tracking bit out of it. Or, yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there we go. There yeah. we go. Rem is only useful when they need him to be useful, and he's not useful when he should be useful. And mm-hmm. I, I really dislike the decision for putting him in there. <laughs> I really dislike that decision. And, you know, again, it comes back to a lot of people believe. I don't know that it's – I haven't found any corroborating evidence on this, but it, it totally fits that you can't have Logan and Jessica – a pair of single unmarried people living together in the wild without a chaperone. And the reason I bring that up is in this episode, they really, you know, they've, they've done this. uh, I think they did it in the collectors too, but it was even more here. It's like, are Logan and Jessica a couple? No, they are not, (laughs) you know, maybe someday, but right now, you know, we're just hanging, keeping it chill. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I like, uh, Jessica, but, uh, you know, I, I'm a Sandman. Sandman does what he wants to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, it just, and I, I, that also doesn't work for me. Maybe, maybe I've got the, the, the movie stuck in my head where these circumstances throw them together. And I know that's an incredibly ridiculous trope mm-hmm. from, from movies um i that i hate frankly i mean it's you know it is that dumb narrative that you throw two people mm-hmm. together and they are going to just be drawn into a a, a <laughs> lifelong and deep abiding love for one another which they kind of play up in in logan's run the whole loving husband loving wife thing they're coming to grips with a concept that they never really understood. And so that makes it interesting, but it's believable that they would be drawn together because that, that does happen to people, but that's lust, not, you know, happily ever after. We're not getting that with Logan and Jessica in this Logan and Jessica are playing this platonic right down the line. And you're just wondering why, I mean, they don't come from a society that's particularly monogamous. No, not at all. In fact, <laughs> so uh, we didn't really see a lot of that in the in the series, and so maybe that's. But you know, it still implies that nobody is mated with their with a pair bond and have children right. and families. It's they're completely just you know, hey, do what you want, which includes whom you want, and mm-hmm. it's totally out of character for this for them not to be you know going at it like rabbits at least for a little bit, and then. Right. And then hating each other and and breaking up and like well now let me screw that up, but <laughs> right. Who gets custody of Rem when we break up? <laughs> hey, you get Rem, I get the solar car. Yeah, there That's, you go. That works. Uh, yeah, uh, the this, this show is not 
I'm glad it's short. Really <laughs> yes, it's short. You got anything else on this thing? Uh, I was trying to figure out uh, how long ago there might have been a viable government, but maybe 40 years. Oh, you mean for to have set up the bunker and... Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it should be generations, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I know that it was mentioned that uh, Lisa is part of a continuous line of people with psychic abilities. Yeah. But it's like, okay, it's been, what, 200 years since... 200 years, yeah. Since the big war... So that's the maximum there. So how many generations would that be? Uh, a generation is usually considered, I believe, 30? 40 years? 40 30 years? or 40 years? Yeah. Yeah, 40 seems too long. So, so not, 30 years. Yeah, not that many. Maybe, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's probably just a waste of my time trying to figure <laughs> that part out. Because obviously that was not anything in the uh, the writer's minds. No, 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 no. In in fact, I would not be surprised if they didn't basically at some point retcon it and say, turns out there was no war (laughs) at all. Possible. Yeah, it's possible. Well, I I know that I know that they don't retcon the war out of existence. But in other words, the war didn't destroy the world. Yeah, it it wasn't uninhabitable for 190 years. And now 10 years after that we're all back to this because obviously that's not the case. We're seeing way too much stuff that's still standing Mm -hmm. and too many colonies of people who aren't hideously deformed mutants. Right. Um, It it just, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to this, to what's going on in the outside world. Anything else? Um, The only thing I have extra here is that whenever Lisa would use her psionic abilities, Mm-hmm. Uh, the quality of the video dropped significantly. And I don't know if this is because they just, you know, chose a, a crap effects house to do the special effects and their, uh, their optical printer was just, you know, they're using the Poor. crappiest, uh, crappiest film stock they could lay their hands on for this. Or, if this was a cost-cutting matter, uh, a measure, and they use the same system that they use in uh, the Invisible Man, where the effects are actually done on video, do you remember that system where they would yeah. uh, would, would put the put the um, they, they would tell a cine the film that the episode is shot on to videotape, high-res videotape, then they would do their effects and then yeah. uh, record it back onto film. I'm wondering if they did that. In this case, it I mean it's really glaringly obvious. the uh, The color timing gets changed. The, the contrast drops. Really crappy. Well, uh, we do know that uh, you know they haven't put a lot of um, they haven't put a lot of time and effort in remastering these either. Well, true, but, but... It, it is based in the original. I I get that. It it, it is on clear but right they would have gone to transfers we've got aren't fantastic then that's going to make those look worse than they might have on tv originally well not this much and every time it's used uh, it 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 shows up like that and you can even like you can tell when there's an effect coming because the quality of the image drops and they might have a couple seconds of of dialogue and then she'll do like an eye glow or something like that and then as soon as they cut like Logan being thrown across the room. It's regular 
film stock mm-hmm. again. And then they cut back to Lisa and it's regular film stock again. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I tried finding information on the people who are in charge of the visual effects and the special effects, but I could find nothing other than they worked in other movies. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That's a shock right there. We had the, yeah. Yeah. Some of these shows don't have a whole lot of um, online information available mm-hmm. about what was going on. Uh, this, the effects are not as bad as the star lost. Okay. No, but they're close. They're not up to space 1999 level. Or um, Buck Rogers for that matter. True. And Buck Rogers is about the same time. Uh-huh. I think Invisible yeah. Man was 75, maybe? Five, yeah. So that's just a couple of years. So it would have given enough time to, you know, to use the, the video system. So you know, I'll, I'll see if I can find more information about that. But yeah, I think that's about all there is for the innocent. But let's take a look now at our second episode tonight. Man out of time. Episode synopsis. A strange energy reading leads Logan and the gang to a pre-nuclear Holocaust ruin where a probe appears carrying a rabbit. The probe disappears back to its place of origin. December 13th, 2118, where scientists operating the Sanctuary Project eagerly study the data gathered. With proof that intelligent life exists two centuries in the future, project leader David Eakins travels forward in time, hoping to learn what started the nuclear war and hoping to prevent it. He has 22 hours to accomplish this task, which I'm assuming is the length of a day in the 22nd century. (laughs) He meets Logan, Jessica, and Rem, and knowing that his success will cause them to cease to exist, does not tell them the truth about his origins. When they learn he is looking for sanctuary and even knows where it should be, they take him in their car. They find an idyllic but primitive village in a pleasant valley. The villagers are welcoming, but they are well below even the average intelligence of the people of this time. They have names that imply they know something about the computers that should exist at the sanctuary project, but they know nothing about such things. Indeed, they cannot even read. They worship the truth, what they think is a deity. Eakins saves the life of a young boy who was stung by a scorpion. When he does, he realizes that their temple is the Sanctuary Project computer room, now turned into a primitive pagan temple. He becomes despondent. All that work collecting all that data was a waste. When he tries to expose the computers, the villagers treat him as if he defiled their temple, and they make to kick him out of their village. Jessica pleads with Logan to help him, even though she doesn't know what he wants to do. They demand the truth, and he tells them. He hopes to collect data from the computer that will reveal the cause of the war, return to his own time, and prevent that from happening. He knows that saving the seven billion lives from his world means that Logan and Jessica's world ends. Logan is not so keen on this idea, But Rem explains that if they prevent him from returning, they themselves may be changing the past as it happened. Rem is skeptical that the past can be changed. And Logan, realizing that he might also be changing the past if he prevents Eakin's return, reluctantly goes along. Rem collects that data, which includes evidence that Eakin's did return from the future. And the die is cast. 
They must get him back. Before he leaves, he instructs the villagers on how to tap the information from the computers. Perhaps they can learn and build a better world for themselves with the fruits of his work. It's a consolation prize if he fails to change his future. He is returned with five minutes to spare, and nothing changes. He failed. Moments later, a recorded message from Eakins arrives. He started the war. When word was announced of his successful time travel, the governments of the world were quick to realize the military implications and the evil empires of the East launched a preemptive nuclear strike. Eakins knows he could have returned to live out his life helping the villagers, but he chose to die with his world. The end. Okay. Um, what do you think? Well, so far, I will say this is... Uh, it's also, strangely enough, the one I remember the most of from being a kid. I think I was eight when I ah. saw this. Well, uh, okay. Well, I, it is and, definitely and, the best so far. Yeah. And if, if any episode of probably the entire season, I will say that... Uh, this one would be closest to winning an award. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, it may have no award. <laughs> well, so, I think um, the whole the whole series could probably be right there. Yes. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I, we made the uh, we make the allusions to the writer Noah mm-hmm. Ward or Noah Ward, which is a pen name for David Gerald, which he apparently used because he was he was the writer of this. And he was also apparently dissatisfied with the final product. <laughs> I, I guess so. Um, I mean, I've seen worse stuff of his before. Yep. The Cloudminders comes to mind on Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. Um, which I know he wasn't happy with. So maybe he'd have taken his name off that one too. But if he'd had the clout. But uh, yeah. maybe, maybe he was trying to uh, be more like Harlan Ellison and just be grumpy with everything that ever gets made of his. Do you, do you, uh, you follow David Gerald on Facebook because he is channeling no. Mr. Ellison. Is he? Um, no. See, oh, I'm yeah. right. Oh yeah. I'm right. Yeah. yeah. That's He's it. proud yeah. of it. He's proud of oh. it. Um, well, whatever. Yeah. He's like a grumpy old man. And I'm not putting it down. I'm a grumpy old man too. So that's okay. But you know, he's, he's comfortable in that place. Mm-hmm. I saw him once at a science fiction convention, listened to him give his talk about, I forget what, but I remember being entertained and yeah. he had all sorts of stories and whatever, you know, from all sorts Absolutely. of productions he'd worked on and stuff like that. So, you know, it's no slouch. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, not not meaning it at all. I'm just, I really would love to find out why this one got, I couldn't find anything. I found a lot of people asking why he had his name taken off this and no answers. Maybe he just had an argument with the writer or with the uh, director, perhaps. I don't know. Well, I have no idea. I mean, I can see some problems with this script. Don't get me wrong, but but by and large, the idea and the concept, they could have they could have perhaps explored it a little bit more. And I kind of wonder if, if Rem was cheating. How so? Well, I mean, they found the newspaper that says scientist returns from the future. Yeah. But th- apparently Rem didn't bother to find the newspapers that said time travel is a weapon. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. Eastern I wonder why powers demand you just, we have time travel or we start war. No, uh-huh. you won't. Okay, war. <laughs> Like, yep. and I kind of, I kind of wonder if Rem actually did. Oh, you think he did and just didn't tell anybody else? Can yeah, he, well, could be. He seems like the type of character who might do that. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he should have been able to synthesize that data faster than their computers back in the in the 22nd century. Oh, I would think so. Quite honest. So, uh, yeah. But then I, again, I would... you know that you know, for a 1970s sci-fi show, that might be a little bit beyond the viewer uh, expectation that he can you know, plug his hand into the computer and understand. I don't know. Maybe that was something that'd be completely weird. It gets into the whole, all the different possible ways that time travel might work. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know, is it, is it physically impossible to change the past or is it creating of a parallel timeline or, right. or can it be done? And it just simply wipes out the other future. Right. Is, is time mutable? Is can yeah, it be changed? And that's, I mean, that's uh, until somebody figures out how to do it, we're not going to know that answer. But I, and this is probably because I've seen so many television programs, movies with the idea that, oh, if you go back and change time, everything will, the future will change. It's like, well, what if it just branches off? Right. A parallel, yeah. a parallel future. And when you return, you go back to the wrong one because that's the one <laughs> that is now the future to you. The other branch is permanently blocked off from you. So right. when you go back, it looks like you've changed the future. But in reality, all your friends are still sitting over there in the other one going, well, he never came back. It right. Failed. Possible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you've made a bifurcation at that point. You know, it's not like you go back in time and, and, and all of a sudden apes run the world. It's like, oh, right. no, no, no. Jeez, jeez. Yeah. That one. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, it, there are a couple of mistakes with the timing in this episode too. Uh, so for example, in the scene where he is saving the boy. Yeah. He looks over and he sees a sign that says, you know, computer bank authorized personnel only or something like that. Right. Jessica says to Logan, I saw the word sanctuary on the walls. Mm -hmm. It was not on the walls. But it was on the console. Yes, the, but the, he hadn't yeah. exposed the console yet. He did that in the next scene when she went back. Um, I sat down the, and talked uh, to him. Remember, she comes back and he's just sitting there over the console and moping. And she comes in and sits down on the bench and she says, I don't know, tell me about it or we want to help or I'm sorry or whatever. And he finally says, here, I'll prove it. And he flips the cover off and that's where it says sanctuary underneath it. Sanctuary project console. Oh, I thought it said it's that like, on the, the front of the, the, the device. The, the but that was covered okay. with the covered with the drape or the the, the sheet that was the, uh, okay that was the thing so i mean it yes it was part of the design but the way they staged it she couldn't yeah. have seen it at that point and <clears throat> the other piece of that is when logan first says i don't want to do this i don't i don't think i want to help him do this rem mm -hmm. says well which one of you is changing the past we know he goes back <laughs> in time and we know he returns. And so if you don't let him return, you are changing the past. And Logan's like, mm, I suppose. And so we just have to let it play out. Well, it, right. But then in a, a couple mm -hmm. minutes, they find the newspaper article that says he does return. And then they have that weird line that says, so he does return. I'm like, but you basically literally said that outside. Right. Before we went into this room that he definitely returned to his time. How did you know that? He couldn't know that. You couldn't know that. But, you know, <laughs> it is it is their future. Him going back is their future. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they just would have would have found the uh, uh, the the newspaper clippings of you know war declared because time travel is is perfected, Logan could have just shot the guy. Boom, done. Yep, you Does can't go like back. Time travel? Exactly, but, but you can't go back. Their computer already predicted twelve days till the war was going to start anyway, so it's not well, like yeah. It, it's not like he was really. I don't know how that would have worked. Well, then that means that time travel may not have actually been the 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 reason. Right, that was just the final trigger. But right, maybe it happened two days earlier. Days earlier, yeah, yeah. We don't know, <laughs> and, and the the net result is is effectively uh, effectively the same. And right, course, exactly. So I guess it would have mattered. So now let me let me put this to you: You've traveled to the future. Mm-hmm. You've seen what the world is like. You and it's and it's heartbreaking. I mean, yes, there are nice people there, but it's heartbreaking. You come back to your world, and then it starts spiraling out of control in the press. They understand that this could be used as a weapon. We have to stop this. Uh, they're going to do preemptive strikes. So what does Eakins do? He records a message that says, yeah, I'm not going to bother. I could have come to the future and lived out my life there. And I'm thinking, sure. And the rest of the people at Project Sanctuary are going to go, sure, you abandon the ship. Great. We'll we'll just stay here and die. What do you think? Huh? So, you know, maybe he couldn't have come back. But they have a working time machine. Mm-hmm. He could have actually used it to go back in time and stop the war. Yes. yes. He could have done exactly what they were afraid of him doing. He would have been very busy. Yes. Well, you know, who, who knows what he does? Go back and kill Lenin. Possibly, you yes. Know, you know, I mean, you strike at some point and see what you can do. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, well, it doesn't work. But mm-hmm. uh, it's better than, I think it's better than watching 7 billion people die. Or damn near uh, 7 billion yeah. people die. So, eh, you know, you, you get into the time travel stories, then you, you do get into the, 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 well, if you could do this, then you could do that, or you could try the other thing, but mm-hmm. too, too many, too many plot complications in a time travel story. Even Stephen Moffat can't do it right, but once. <laughs> <laughs> and even then it was, was kind of close, close to the wire. Um, I did notice that, uh, and, and I was excited about this when they had one of the newspapers, uh, showing that, uh, you know, the time travel thing, or maybe it was the, mm-hmm. uh, the one where it says that, uh, time travel has been achieved. Um, some of the other stories in there were, uh, uh youth problems. That's possibly alluding at the, the little war of the young people mm-hmm. getting fed up with the adults. Fair enough. And uh, one I was particularly excited about was eight judges selected for brotherhood. It's like, ooh. And I went back and I looked at the first episode and I counted the guys who run the Dome City and there are only seven of them. Damn it. <laughs> oh, you think they might be the... the, the... Yes, I was, I was hoping that this would have been some sort of uh, prelude to the Dome City being uh, envisioned. But it's also possible that Logan gave Eakins the idea for the Dome City by simply measure, mentioning that he was from the Dome City. And, you know, he seems to be fairly, you know, advanced. Mm-hmm. You know, that could be like a good reason to try to build one after the bombs drop or something. Try to do something like that. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Eakins is the is the man who built the Dome City. Could be. <laughs> that would be that would be funny if they found that out later on. Oh, but, uh, it would be. So that's go a, back to the Dome City and there's like a dedication plaque on the outside. Built this day, 2124, David Eakins. Fuck! Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well. That, that would have been. Uh, Maybe that's what David Joe was upset about. I don't know. I, there are a couple things about this that I don't like. And one of them is that the people in Sanctuary are too stupid. Yeah. I think it well would have died out by then. Uh, it's not just that. I mean, we have seen we have seen the world that Logan and Jessica have been traveling through. And it it is, you know, farmers and it's research bunkers and bandits. telepaths and bandits and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. They're not they're not ignorant. They're not ignorant of technology. They're, they're not even really ignorant of the of the world that that they live in. Right. They all seem to know that the world was destroyed and they're building it back and and all these things. And these guys, how how did they survive if, you know, it was 100 years with no atmosphere that could be breathed? And and, right. And how did they pop up and just suddenly and, you know, not come in contact with people who have far greater technological uh, and and knowledge base? And it just kind of doesn't fit it's almost a star lost you feel where you're supposed to say these are compartmentalized in different sealed off domes right the only thing and i can go, think with that it would be like for they're not. The, the z for zachariah where there's a a uh a valley with a, a strange weather pattern that pretty much wind didn't really or clouds and whatnot did not enter from the outside mm-hmm. and thus it was protected from the nuclear annihilation of the rest of the world um, but you know, even that say, like, oh, okay, sure. Get a, you know, interesting idea for a, a book. I don't really buy the idea. Yeah. Uh, even in the book after a while, it was clear that that utopia, and I'm using quotes around that, uh, was not going to last forever. Good, good, good. Uh, was not going to last forever and it just wouldn't have worked. Uh, I don't buy that part. I mean, mm-hmm. all these guys, uh, was there a bunker that they just didn't show anybody that everybody lived in, you know, up until a couple of decades before or what? Yeah. I think, you know, they haven't really done a very good job of creating this post-apocalyptic war uh, world on Logan's mm-hmm. run. Uh, they talk about how bad it was, but we just, it, it just doesn't seem like apart from the population numbers being down, it doesn't feel like that really. Uh, it it feels like these people have just been living for a long time and and building their way back and not having to live, you know, in in the bunker until 25 years ago kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) But that's, again, sort of a flaw of this system. Mm -hmm. The other flaw is, of course, that uh, in this episode, which seems to be out of order, Francis wasn't among the Sandmen that attacked them. That means the city is now sending out other teams. Right. Which Well, we saw that know, in the last one where there were, exactly. there were multiple groups driving around. Right. So this is the first time Logan thinks, oh, they, they don't have Francis with them. So the city's sending out other teams, which, of course, you know, still comes back to the same old thing. What did they promise the other guys? Yeah, exactly. That's maybe they're a, starting a to get crowded brotherhood. Yeah, maybe they're starting to get more uh, salmon who are you know going native and they have to either 
kill them or start hunting them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the Sand Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I I boy, uh the the seven guys who run the Dome City, they are just really set in their ways. When they make a decision, they stick to it apparently. They do. Or maybe they just have thousands and thousands of sandmen that they are doing a reduction in force. Why couldn't they just, you know, here's one, you know, here's a solution for those poor guys. Mm -hmm. We know they have teleporters. Yeah. We know Mm -hmm. they have teleporters Mm -hmm. because we saw Francis travel through one. Right. So instead of carousel burning them up, why don't you transport them outside? I think that, uh, well, I, I came him, with the answer. Give for him that. some equipment. Give him some equipment. Give him some seed and stuff, and say, "Okay, you're 30. You had your fun life. Now get out here and uh, live or die." Oh, yeah, we haven't taught you anything. World. So have fun. <laughs> and yet, Francis knows about campfires and cooking in the outside woods and and all that stuff. We've seen that in other episodes. Yep. They're doing just fine on the outside. They can mm-hmm. track through dirt. You know. Yeah. It. They know that trees won't kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not shooting all the trees going, what is that thing? Well, I think they had trees in the Dome City, didn't they? Eh, probably not that big. In the parkland and stuff. So. Oh, true, true, true. But it's not like uh, they haven't seen it. I, I don't know. Uh, I still think that when people go to Carousel, they, uh, they float up in the sky and then they're teleported directly into the food processing machines. Well, there's that possibility. <laughs> Soylent Carousel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Soylent Dweller. Mm. I, I guess you go black on that day. So Soylent Black. Yeah. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah. There's so much that doesn't make sense in this. <laughs> That's true. In any of this, even the book, the it, you know, obviously you've got hundreds of pages to flush out ideas. But even in that. At, le- at least in the book, it was the whole world. Yeah, it made it made a little bit more sense. It was very claustrophobic in a way. It, it, it was more claustrophobic than the Dome City. Because oh, yeah, yeah. There was no place you can go. Anywhere on Earth murdered. with the tubes or whatever they called them in the uh, thing. And in minutes, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go to Mardi Gras. Boom, you're in there. Let's go mm-hmm. to Antarctica. Okay, boom, you're there. There is nowhere on Earth you couldn't go, and there's nowhere that the Sandman can't follow you. Right. And, you know, and everything's computerized. So you walk through it and you're blinking, you, you know, you're blinking on last day. They know it, it, it's, it was a lot more oppressive and dystopian. Yes. In yeah. its way. Um, and, you know, it's like, then the dream of sanctuary is, you know, what can it be? What, what, what the heck could sanctuary be? And and I won't right, mention exactly. what it is because, uh, you know, spoilers. For a book. Yeah, it's but, it's a book. Go read it. Yeah. <laughs> Go educate it's yourself. An atrociously written book. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Do not like the style of that book. Um <laughs> at all. The other two are fine, but that first one, the, the <laughs> one where they worked together, do not like that style of that book. Fascinating yeah. book. Don't like the style. Yeah, it's a it's a great concept. Um and and obviously I can see with the movie and the, the TV series, having the entire world essentially be the Dome City would be expensive because you'd, you'd want to, you'd feel compelled to say, well, you know, we have to have a, 
uh, shot in uh, London Dome City now, and then we have to go to the Antarctic, and then you know, and, right. you know, it starts getting pricey. Well, not even uh, they're not even dome cities. Sets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cities. All these locations. Ah, geez, we're going to break the bank on that one. Yeah, and when you narrow things down so much that it fits into the confines of a uh, a 1970s sci-fi TV series, you really lose a lot in the compression. <laughs> loads like almost all of the data oh <laughs> yeah pretty much all of it yeah um i'm i'm mad at logan once again oh no why this time same reason as before what does he do to the two stupid sandmen oh he, yeah exactly oh he shoots their guns this time yes he destroys their guns instead of i don't know tucking them in his belt <laughs> exactly Exactly. Take the power packs out of them or whatever. Especially if, you know, how about that bit where you, uh, you happen to leave your gun on a bunny cage in a time machine? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, that was a fair trade. You got a bunny (laughs) and they got a future gun. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, Uh, who who does that with a gun? Not a trained gunman. Especially if it's your only gun and there are people hunting you yeah and you also you know every other time you get hold of a gun you just it's one for one that's it for the guns if i were logan i would have a solar car filled with sandman gun that he takes away oh another like, gear too i mean there's yeah. got to be food and who knows water i don't know i'll give you another one take one of their stinking cars they're faster true true exactly supposedly <laughs> And they aren't very good. Two sandmen on a hill shooting at a couple of people that occasionally blip out. And Logan runs all the way around. It's been a 150-yard dash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the way up the hill and around behind them and then came up behind. It's like, wow, you guys are not good at your job. I think that's why they were uh, exiled to the wastelands. I think I think that the, uh, the managers figured out an easy way to... Um, to bump the numbers up. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting a little, uh, we're getting a little crowded in, uh, in section exactly, two. Exactly. Exactly. Carousel's not, uh, not doing what it should, you know, let's clean the, uh, clean the ranks up <laughs> dear, a little bit. <laughs> dear citizens of the dome city, owing to, owing to increased resource demand, carousel age will be reduced to 29. <laughs> Effective. Exactly. Immediately. exactly. What? <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. But you know you're going to be renewed. Yeah, yeah. We're we're you're kidding. It's our new earth. Yeah, exactly. Can, can I have a late renewal program, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Twenty-two hours. You have twenty-two hours. I don't know why he chose that. Probably since he probably didn't want 24 because it had been used for other stuff. I don't know. Did it Did it really feel like he could accomplish what they did in 22 hours? I mean, consider they were wherever they were, and then they had to drive until they got to sunset. Then they yeah. camped for, you know, uh, I don't know what time of year it is, but they're, you know, let's say half the day, eight mm-hmm. hours maybe. And then they said, we'll be there in a few hours. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that they've had to burn, I don't know, uh, 
14 of those 22 hours in transit and sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Not, not sure, but it just, it didn't feel like, and of course like, okay, well, we got to leave this place. We got to go back. It's going to take just as long to go back. Exactly. Same distance. I mean, maybe you won't go through a night, but it, it, it felt the time limit thing just felt unnecessary. It was kind of like the time limit thing they had with the, with the Sandman in the last episode where they're like, Oh, they're going to be here in eight hours. Nope. They made it in five. It's like, why, why do we care? Why Mm -hmm. do we care? (laughs) Right. It just added a certain urgency to it that didn't really need to be there. Yeah. I think they're like, they could have worked on, on better ways to make uh, a a deadline. Yeah. Put it a deadline. Yeah. Some, some, uh, some deadline there that a deadline that fit with what they, demonstrated they had to do. I mean, they could have just eliminated that sequence where they had to stop for the night. It provided them for a moment where Jessica got to talk to the guy, right? Because Rem and, Rem and Logan right. walk off for right. a little bit. And that's what the scene is for. It's not about them taking a nap or about killing time in their 22-hour quest. It's about getting that moment alone between Jessica and, and Eakins. And mm-hmm. That could have been done a number of ways. Like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to stop the car and I got to take a leak. Uh, Logan could have run off into the woods and <clears throat> Rem could have gone to watch or whatever Rem does. And, you know, they could have had that moment. They could have done right. that in any of a number of ways. Right. Oh, the only other thing that scene actually had was that Egan said that, uh, you know, he's he's seen this car before, this type of car before, and he kind of stops himself from... Actually oh yeah, it. yeah. So I've seen lots of those. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, so that's just kind of making him hide secrets from the main characters. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, and also this like, once again, this is a a story that um, if the guy just would have been upfront and and mm-hmm. forthright with his his mission, I think things would have gone a lot better. He might have prevented that war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, the guy back at the Sanctuary Project just says, oh, you better not tell him that you're from the future or from the past. Uh, you know, I, oh, boy, performance review time there. Oh, wow. I could I could kind <laughs> of understand why you might. I mean, I could I could see how if I went to the future and then there is a moral dilemma there that if I accomplish what I'm trying to do, you cease to exist. I, I, I get that. And well, you don't tell him that part. (laughs) Well, but you know, if what the guy said in the sanctuary project was, they may be aware of the concepts of time travel, in which case it's important. You don't tell them because if they're familiar with the concepts, they may go away. If you go back and change the past, we'll cease to be. And, and so I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent against him not telling them. But you're right. If he had been a little more honest, uh, maybe, you know, maybe even not telling them why he was there, just that, hey, I came from the past and, you know, this was an experiment. And, oh, my gosh, the world is destroyed. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That would have been a lot better. But if he had if, for example, he had shown up at Sanctuary, if he had been able to get in and get at the computers earlier. He might have had time to run the data. He might have seen the information that uh-huh. said it was him returning. 
and then he could have just said, you know, uh, let's miss our bus and, exactly. and not go back. Time travel's a failure, and then, you know, what what would have happened? But, yeah. Like I said, it's tough to write a story about time travel that doesn't have a plot hole in it somewhere. It's incredibly <laughs> difficult because we think linearly, and all we can do is to speculate as to what would happen in a nonlinear environment. And, mm -hmm. you know, your guess is as good as mine, and it might not be the same guess as he made. And I admit, I kind of don't like Rem's attitude. It says, oh, you know, time has a way of catching up with you. Really? What do you base that on? Right? Wh wh where do you get that from? I remember in, you know, in uh, Harlan Ellison, speaking of him, in, in City on the Edge of Forever, there's that speech by Spock that says, you know, there is a theory that time flows in eddies and currents and that, you know, it, it, it may branch and come back or it may drift us up here in the same place. So that's based on some scientific research that apparently exists in the 23rd century that Spock is aware of from mm -hmm. theoretical temporal engineers. Rem? Eh. Nah, he's just saying, eh, time's got a way of catch up. That, that feels like, um, you know, eh. You can't tamper with God's will. It's kind of, kind. You yeah. Know, it's God's plan. You're not going to change it. This is this is the way it is, and it, it just yeah. I don't. I I would also think that if if Rem knew more about things like he maybe uh, it was like an an article perhaps he ran across, or he was programmed with some knowledge of time travel that he could have at least mentioned that to Logan and Jessica. Mm -hmm. You know and. Yeah, they also could have. They all could have returned to sanctuary, and they could have let them borrow Rem long enough to get the main power supply connected. True, true. You know, I mean, yes, I Francis and the gang are coming, but you know, they 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 don't have to keep. <laughs> they could have. They could have spent a little time getting those people on their feet. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been a nice thing to do for Eakins, so he would feel like his his life work was not not completely wasted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing I thought was interesting in this story, and this is also kind of in keeping with a question we've asked repeatedly through the, the entirety of all the episodes prior to this, is like, what happens when they find Sanctuary and it's not what they think it is? I, I, maybe they'll just keep looking. <laughs> Problem solved. Quite literally, that's what Jessica says. Mm -hmm. She actually says this. What, he goes, what happens if you find Sanctuary and it's not what you're looking for? She goes, then we'll just have to keep looking. And at that point, you should acknowledge the fact that it is of no point for you to be searching for a place called Sanctuary. Exactly. Let's see. Is there anything else? Oh, yes. And I could not find this word. So maybe I'm spelling it wrong or maybe I didn't hear it right. But Reclective Entity Mobile? I didn't look that up. Um, I didn't I can't make find the word Reclective at all. Yeah, I, at least spelled R-E-C-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, -E, like you would think it would be spelled. It's a word that means a self-questioning. It's like, really? Um, huh. I, I can't find it. Maybe it's a 23rd century word. Yeah, but, I have no idea. I think it's misspelled. I, I think Rem just has fun with people. <laughs> oh, you're an android. Oh, thank you, sir. For not calling me a robot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't. I did notice that uh, the actor playing Eakins, he reminded me 
of a scientist from a 1950s uh, sci-fi show or sci-fi movie. He had that bearing like uh, uh, the the main professor in uh, War of the Worlds or When Worlds Collide, uh, you know, that sort of theatrical school. It's not it's not so far out from the 50s that uh, that uh, it couldn't be from the same school. I suppose so. I looked him up on Wikipedia and yeah, he, yeah, he did stage quite a bit, not in a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but uh, founding member of an actor and director and teacher of the American Conservatory Theaters in San Francisco. So yeah, that that was probably why. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very capable. So far, the the most capable actor they've had on the show. <laughs> <laughs> quite, <clears throat> quite, quite true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's about uh, it. All in all, it's 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 not a bad episode. It just you know has has come on the heels of four <laughs> poorish episode talks. And, uh, yeah, couldn't really spot CompTech four, so we didn't get to see what uh, friend looked like without makeup. So yeah, I saw the name CompTech four in the in the credits, and I don't recall them. I don't recall them mentioning the name CompTech four. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> In the story, so he was probably the kid carrying the uh, the guy carrying the kid. I might have, yeah. He had a speaking part, so they just didn't give call him by his uh, his name. <laughs> My name's Analog. Name. Oh, you're named after a computer, really? Twenty second century. <laughs> you're named after a computer. That that's what you'd think when you hear the word analog. Oh, we. <laughs> Man, even in 1970s, uh, there weren't that mm-hmm. many analog computers in use anymore. No, barely my, my understanding. I think the last thing that I'm aware of was like naval targeting systems. Yeah, ordnance on ships. Yeah, yeah, working out the uh, tables for for firing solutions. I don't have anything else in this episode. Nope. If you're gonna watch Logan's Run, so far I would say this is the episode to watch. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, don't. Don't be too offended by how badly Logan handles guns. Yeah. Uh, do you know what the next one is off the top of your head? Uh, the next one is called Half-Life. And I read the synopsis of it on Wikipedia, and I'm not going to say anything because I'm saddened by it. <sighs> oh, yeah, I do know what this one is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, I'm saddened by it, too. All right, <laughs> well, so we'll be sad next time when we watch uh, Half-Life, John. Thank you for joining me. You are very welcome. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Star Hunter Redux episode, The Prisoner, in which... Travis Montana begins to come out, encouraged by a strange man he just meets one day. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.